It's so good to talk to you online. All those who are watching online, thank you that we can talk with. Thank you for tuning in and that we can talk with you is a great privilege. I'm kind of excited, as you can tell, a little confused by the whole thing we're going through. And I want to start out with a question. What are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? What's actually going on? Well, I think I can tell you pretty clearly what we're doing here Um, because I've done it before and I've seen it before and I see it throughout the Bible. You remember last week when I talked to everybody here about my boss I had when I was in Dallas and my boss had this slogan he lived by, nothing beats perseverance and he was applying it to business and making money but I told you I was applying it to my whole life because I saw it all over the scripture, nothing beats perseverance. For example, I can show you tons of them. Let's take Moses. Moses is called by God to get the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He does that, brings them into the wilderness. They're headed to the promised land. And you remember what happened? They run into the Red Sea. They run into the Red Sea. Here comes the Egyptian army because Pharaoh changed his mind. Now wants to get these slaves back because that's their whole workforce back there. And now they got to work. They don't like that. They want to get the slaves back. And they're coming to get them. Well, do you think this Red Sea thing surprised God? Was this an obstacle to God? Was this a problem? No. God planned it that way. And it's the same thing with coronavirus. Do you think God didn't know he'd be doing this beyond initiative right now and seeking for renewal and then all of a sudden we've got to stop and not have church in the building and have to have it online? No, God wasn't surprised by that. God set it up that way, just like he put the Red Sea there right in front of the children of Israel so they'd be trapped. And they would have to do what? Turn to God. So I'm hoping this is a time where we really, really turn to God. What a great opportunity. To me, this is no different than the Red Sea. It's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. In fact, I had a professor back in seminary. His name was Zane Hodges. He was a scholar. One, I'll never forget this sermon, one of the most memorable sermons I ever heard. He walked through and preached on the entire Bible and showed us story after story after story, event after event, where everything appeared to be in apparent defeat. But then God came in and rescued things. Even Jesus dying on the cross, apparent defeat. And God raised him from the dead. This is normal. This is what it is to follow the Lord. God pushes you up against a problem. God pushes you up against a virus or whatever it be in your life. It's really apparent defeat. It's not real defeat because God wants to use it. And I believe God's going to use this event in our church in a huge way. So I'm glad to be able to preach with you right now, talk with you right now, and I want to pray with you before I even start into the message about what God's going to do here. I'm, I'm excited about it. And so I, I would like to uh, challenge you to pray with me right now. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord, as Eric just prayed, I want to continue to, in a spirit of prayer. I want to ask for all the businessmen out there. It must be really tough to have a business right now and kind of be put out of business and not be able to keep your business going. It must be tough to know what to do with employees and what to shut down and what to keep going. It must be tough, Lord, with all those health care workers and nurses and doctors. It must be tough, Lord, with people that have to go to the hospital and are, don't want to be in there but have to. Or even schools and, and still being in school but not going to school and doing school online. There's so many different questions right now. But, Lord, Lord, your church is here. And you said the gates of hell can't stop your church. Your church has been through bubonic plagues, world wars, all kinds of things, and it's done great because you work through your church and you won't let anything stop it. So we are your church, and we come to you, Lord, first and foremost as your children and church members, asking, 
Help us, Lord, and help us know what to do. I pray for every member of this church, every person who comes to this church, you'll protect them from the virus. But more importantly, I pray for their soul. That this will be a time when they really get what we're after with this whole Beyond Initiative. Renewal, Lord. Renewal of their relationship with you and renewal of their relationship with each other and with the church. Thank you, Lord, that we can do this together. And I pray that even tonight, as we rethink where we're going in church, we'll be able to connect with what you're calling us to do as a family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in the Beyond Initiative, we're in a period of um, kind of a season of renewal. And um, the title of tonight's sermon is Beyond Means Relationally Healthy. Now, to just review a little bit, Um, Let's put up our vision statement. That'll give you an idea. To see communities where people are encouraged and equipped to lead Jesus-centered, that was our our first sermon in this Beyond series, and missionally engaged, that was last week, and now relationally healthy. What we're trying to get to here is a place where we see that Jesus-centered, we used Jesus as the word of the year last year, to center ourselves on where we need to go, and then missionally engage. Well, we have a mission to accomplish, gives us purpose and meaning in our life, but the strategy of it all, the strategy God has is always relationships. You know, um, we have a, a vision in our church. I've shared some of this with you. We want to renovate our old building. We want to develop some of our other existing land, things we could do. We want to do better outreach. We want to pay down our debt. But do you all understand? I hope you understand. Those are byproducts. That's not really the vision. The real vision of our church is right here. I put it in a big idea. God's strategy for your life is healthy relationships. God's strategy through the Old Testament and New Testament is always relational. God is a relational God. He wants a personal relationship with you. That's what we call it. And so to preach about relationally healthy is especially um fun to do when we're supposed to have social distancing. <laughs> like, let's have a relationship and let's not get too close. Like, isn't that ironic how that's just what we're in right now? I think it kind of emphasizes the need. And I think even spending time apart will help us realize how much we need to be together. So I'm excited about this opportunity. And when I put down this idea, the strategy, that God's strategy for your life is healthy relationships, what I'm talking about there is both deeper and wider. God calls us in our renewal that we're looking for here to go deeper in our relationship with one another. Most of the letters to the New Testament churches are all written to tell them to go deeper in their commitment to one another. We're going to look at some tonight. It's about our deepening in our relationship, our commitment to God and to one another that makes us church. But also wider. God calls us to go out and make new relationships, develop new relationships with people in our neighborhoods, at work, at school, in all kinds of places, and draw them in to be part of the church too. So our initiative here in in developing relationships, this strategy is both deeper and wider. I want to explain that to you tonight in three different passages I'm pretty excited about to share with you. And I want to go through them briefly because I'm pinched for time, even though I have a lot more time now than normalized. But uh, anyway, I'm going to look at this with you. So I believe this is what God is telling us to do. So I'm kind of explaining it, but I really just want to explain what God says because he's telling us this is where we need to go. Point one in your outline reads like this. Treasuring healthy relationships. That's part of God's strategy for us. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. I can find no better place to start than right here in the Sermon on the Mount. 
In Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19, Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a warning by Jesus, and it's a warning about treasuring. He's saying you don't want to lay up treasure on earth because that's a bad deal. You don't want to do this because you're going to get ripped off. You're going to get hurt. So he's warning us. And there's things that we all agree shouldn't be treasured, right? Like we all agree shouldn't treasure alcohol or drugs or overeating or laziness or entertainment or lust or, or, or greed or grudges or revenge, right? But this is saying more than that. He's saying, no, anything on the earth would be worthless because it's going to burn. Rust, rust will get it. Moths will get it. And if it survives that, the thieves will steal it. Like, he's very pessimistic here, saying, don't do that. Don't do it. Instead, he says what? He says, instead of wasting your life on stuff like that, you're supposed to, verse 20, see what it says? But lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moths nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. As we look around, um, what the question comes to my mind, what, what, what would we do to store up treasure in heaven? How would you do this? How could you? You're not in heaven. You've never been to heaven. How do you know what to do to store up treasure in heaven? Well, the only thing on the earth that's going to go to heaven are people. Nothing else is going to go there. So obviously, Jesus is saying, make your investment in people, your time, your money, your energy. Listen, let's just talk honest here. On your deathbed, you're probably not going to say, boy, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I had made more money. On your deathbed, you're not going to say, gosh, I should have watched more TV. No. <laughs> You're going to say, I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids or my grandkids or my friends, you know, and hung out. Or what, you know, I should have been involved in church more. I should have made a difference with my life. You're not going to say all the things we spent so much time and so much energy and so much money upon. That's just what Jesus is saying. He's giving us a warning. Say, well, don't build up treasure here because you can't take it with you. But build up relationships here with people. That's going to go with you. You're going to make an impact in people's lives. That's the impact your life makes is in relationally engaged, what we're talking about here, relationally healthy relationships. Well, as I think about this, I was writing down some notes and thinking about my own dad. Um, my dad was an introvert. And um, I was talking to someone the other day about this idea of relationships, and they're going, "Well, I'm 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 kind of a quieter person. I'm more of an introvert, kind of a private person." <laughs> and I felt like laughing because, like, so is my dad. But at my dad's funeral, my older brother cried big tears, saying, "All I know is I want to have friends like Dad had friends." This has nothing. What I'm preaching here has nothing to do with being introverted, extrovert. 
It has to do with what Jesus says in the last verse. What does he say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a heart thing, folks. It's about your heart. Where's your heart at? You might be an introvert. You might be an extrovert. That's totally irrelevant. So what? So you have a lot of friends or you have a few close ones. What's the difference? It's the heart of investment. It's the heart of giving to yourself to somebody. It's the heart of having a relationship and saying, you know what? This is what's going to pay off. This is where I want to put my time, my money, my energy. This is why at our whole church, even the Beyond series, what we're trying to do, like I said, yeah, we want to build buildings and all this, but do you understand? The point is, it's about relationships with each other as the church and with the Lord. That's the first thing I wanted to show you was what Jesus says here. Look now what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians. Point two in your outline. It reads like this. Giving yourselves to healthy relationships. Jesus says in chapter 2, excuse me, not Jesus, the Apostle Paul says about Jesus in chapter 2 that we are supposed to look to Christ and how he did things. And he's, in, this shows us the values we're supposed to have in life. And look how he puts it. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, says, So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you see in there what he's saying? He's saying, put yourself, give yourself to healthy relationships rather than to anything else. Don't be tricked by anything else. He even has a warning in here in verses 3 and 4. But before that, I want you to notice at the beginning, he says, if. He starts with that if clause by saying, if there's any encouragement, any comfort, any participation, any affection, any, any sympathy. In other words, if there's any value in life, it comes by investing in relationships. So he's saying, give yourself. He said, make my joy complete by giving same love, same mind, with humility. Let each of you look to others, or, uh, consider yourself less significant than others, and, and to seek to give yourself to them. I think the Apostle Paul is trying to say the same thing Jesus was trying to say. That the value you should have in life is around people, not around things, not around stuff. It's around people, not even around accomplishments. It's about people and investing your life in them. I'm not talking here, of course, about anything. I'm sure we could talk about relationships that are abusive relationships or neglectful relationships or people that just kind of irritate you. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about investing in strong relationships. And look at the warning. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Who's your rival? Your competitor. Do nothing from competitiveness, rivalry, he's saying. He uses the other word, conceit. Conceit would be, again, a word of rivalry, like a word of competition. I can beat you. Conceit. So he's saying, don't. Don't be competitors. Instead, do what? Be teammates. Look what he says. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the kind of team I want to be on. Someone that's thinking about me. Someone that passed the ball to me, right? 
I can pass it to them. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Why? Because we want to win. We want to make a difference. He's really contrasting and comparing competitors versus being teammates. And he's saying, don't be competitors, but give yourself to others so that you can accomplish something bigger than yourself as a competitor. I think that's very significant. It's pretty clear to me now that um, I've been a pastor for like 40 years that uh, God, you know, they all say hindsight is twenty twenty. As I look back, I can see pretty clearly God gave me leaders in this church, elders in specific, at just the right time, and there were just the right guys. <laughs> I mean, it's just so unbelievably clear to me now uh, even though maybe not so much always at the time and you could see God would give me certain guys to handle certain things and to be teammates with me at those times one of our first elders was a guy named Ed Laundress I can talk about Ed because he's not here tonight (laughs) but Ed didn't like it when I talked about him I know he doesn't but he was so crucial to our church he, he was meeting with us back when we met in my house. That's how many years ago we're talking. Ed's getting up there in age now. But Ed was just what I needed. I came out of seminary, but I didn't have the organizational skills, the, the, the kind of skills to coordinate and organize things like that, to be able to call people together. He had so many relationships. He's the one that started the Pineland Striders, a running group in Medford. So many different reasons God called them here. Administrative gifts. But you know, the greatest thing about Ed was this. You listening? Ed got it. What I'm preaching about tonight, relationally healthy, he got that. He got it so well that even after he stopped being an elder, for years he just started small groups of men meeting together and investing in them, giving himself to other men. All kinds of men from all kinds of different backgrounds, four or five guys at a time. Ed kept doing that because Ed got it. This is what it's about, he thought. I'm not going to invest in all these other things anymore. I'm going to invest in other people because that will last. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I'm going to treasure people. I'm not going to treasure just accomplishments or stuff. He understood and gave himself to healthy relationships. That's the kind of elders many of our elders have gone on to be. be. Thirdly, growing healthy relationships um, is something we need to do, not only the treasuring, not only the giving, but it comes to be something that we need to grow. As you all know, a relationship doesn't just happen. You have to grow it. It's going to take some real intentionality to do this. If you're listening closely to this sermon, I hope you're using this opportunity, especially now that you're kind of locked up at home, to grow some relationships with the family. Maybe it's with a neighbor across the fence. But grow relationships takes intentionality, just like growing corn or growing beans or growing an animal. It takes intentionality. You've got to be intentional about it. I want to show you a passage that talks about that. Turn with me to the book of First Timothy. That's the last one we're going to look at tonight. In First Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, a particular person at this time, not to a congregation. And he's giving him some warnings. And then some admonitions. Look what he says, starting with chapter 6, with verse 6. Now, 
There is great gain in godliness, he says to Tim, with contentment, though. You have to have godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So he's trying to say, hey, come on, focus in on what, what's important. And if you have the food and the clothing, you don't need a whole bunch of that. Be content. Learn contentment. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many, look at these words now, senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Just because they wanted to have more money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is though it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Boy, he gives some pretty strong warnings there about seeking richness, seeking money. He's instead contrasting that, as you can see very clearly here, with being content with what you got. So make your investment, again, in people, not stuff. When I was at Dallas Seminary, again, as I mentioned earlier with that professor I had, it it caused me to think along those lines when I read this out of Timothy. I had a class where um, I worked with Dr. Minnith and Dr. Dr. Meyer, two Christian psychiatrists in the psych ward, um, for just one semester, and they let you have patients, and one patient was an older guy that had been very wealthy, and through a series of things and being cheated, he lost every penny he had. And the reason he was in our psych ward is because he was starving himself to death. And nobody came to see him. It was the saddest story. Here's a guy that gave, he, he was invested totally in making money, and he lost it all. So he had literally nothing to live for. So he decided to kill himself. So they got him hooked up to IVs. They're trying to feed him. and But he, he accomplished it. He, he killed himself eventually. And it was just so sad to me. But what an amazing... Just like this, this, this passage says, senseless and harmful desires plunged this person into ruin and destruction, pierced himself with many a pang. I saw it. Right in front of my I was only in my 20s. I saw that right in front of my eyes. Look at the end of this same passage. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure. There it is again, just like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Storing up treasure for themselves. Notice that's for themselves. As a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of, of that which is truly life. I read this. Uh, I can't help but think of the stock market in the last few days. How about you? Shooting up, shooting down, all this stuff. I remember um, it was doing that back in 2008. I remember when the stock market crashed, everybody lost everything. And I'm on the phone talking to my mom. And I knew mom had money in the stock market. In fact, I knew who her stockbroker was and all this guy. And it's kind of thing, her investment manager. And I know she had lost a lot of money. So I'm saying to my mom, who's probably in her 80s, close to 90 by that time. 
I say, well, hey, Mom, I, I see the stock market's going down. I, you're losing some of your investments. I'm sorry about all that. You know what she said to me? Oh, honey, don't worry. It'll come back. Well, that's what you get with age, a little wisdom, right? Oh, honey, don't worry. It'll be back. And I think for her, she, her riches didn't mean much. What She had contentment. That's what she was talking about. Like, well, what do you need all that stuff for anyhow kind of a thing? Oh, honey, it'll be back. I think this whole dilemma we're in right now of the coronavirus is helping all of us reevaluate our contentment, reevaluate what, you know, because honestly, in comparison with the world, we are rich. All of us are. Anybody who lives in America really lives in a rich land, one of the richest lands it's ever been in the world. We have great opportunities, tremendous things we can do. We're rich in many ways. But at a time like this, I'm kind of happy for the coronavirus isolation because we all have an opportunity here to reevaluate our lives, reevaluate our investments. Am I really putting my life where it should be and investing in the things I should? You know, as I read through this passage in, in chapter in, uh, verses uh, 17 through 19, and notice the words generous, um, ready to share, storing up, treasure, storing up treasures for yourself. The, these things really hit home to me. And the, but the last one really gets home, doesn't it? Take hold of that which is truly life. There it is. Kind of sums it up. Take hold of that which is really life. That's what I think we have an opportunity to do, with this virus especially. Eric mentioned that tomorrow's supposed to be a national day of prayer. I hope we have a national couple weeks of prayer. You know, I'm hoping for revival in America. I think that's our only hope. Can we seek the Lord? If, it, if it's not you, well then who? Nobody else is going to do this. The church is going to do this. If there's going to be renewal, it starts with you. It starts with me. Maybe even in our own homes. Maybe even in our own bedrooms. Maybe in our own offices at home where we seek the Lord more than we ever have before. I hope you take this opportunity. You know, we've been handing out these cards, these commitment cards to people. Let me talk about this with you a few minutes and just explain it to you. You know, I've, I've um, already received commitments from several people in our church and leadership. We called it advanced giving. Oh, gosh, there must be... I've probably talked to hundreds of people about this already, to tell you the truth. Uh, probably about 50 of them, one-on-one. There have been several couples, some couples even in leadership that I've prayed with, many of them, like I said, 40 or 50 of them. Where we look at a card like this, I say, okay, what do you think you can do? What do you, th- what do you, what do you want me to talk about with you? What questions do you have? And we've answered all kinds of questions. We can answer for you too. If you see at the top here, it says, what we would normally give, they put in that first box, second one, our expanded annual generous gift. In other words, how can we expand on what we normally give? What is God challenging us to do? Last week, you heard a guy named Jeff. I prayed with him about it. Jeff shared with you about how God challenged him to give beyond his regular giving. And then, plus, add that up over two years and put here. My wife and I went through this very thing, same thing, talking about our budget, looking at things. Do you do that? I sure hope you do. You, you and I have a perfect opportunity right now to reevaluate our investments. 
Am I investing in things that are going to waste away, the moth and the rust? I mean, am I investing in things that, that I should be really not investing in, but instead investing in people? That's where we're going here. And I'm, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to pray on this. Pray with your, your partner about it, your spouse. Ask God what, what you should do. If you can't do that now, I'm like, when are you going to do it? The idea that we don't have time is kind of like gone. Now, yeah, you got time. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. And that's really all this is, a prayer card. In a couple of weeks, we'll be able to fill out cards and hand them in. You know, along that line, I wanted to share with you about this. these slides. Let's put the slides up there of the different that charts of, um, yeah, this. One church, one vision, one fund. You know, people ask me, well, where do we give it to? I mean, are we going to give it to a building fund? No. Listen, we don't have a building fund anymore. we got a building. <laughs> building fund's over. Sure, we've got to pay the debt down, stuff like that. But we're tr- going to what's called one fund, where we're one church, plus there's one vision we're trying to go going through the vision statement, and there'll be one fund. Everything will come out of that. We can explain more of that to you, but if we felt like if we could get one church with one fund and one vision, we could accomplish much more together. Other churches that have counseled with us about this have had all their funds go up, whether it's benevolence or missions or anything, because they consolidated like that and got clear on where they're going. That's our objective. That's what we're trying to do with putting everything together. To end this message, what I'd like you to do is listen to a video where Hi and Tracy are talking about God's challenge in their life. It took a crisis in Hi's life for him to really rethink his investments. Hi and Tracy are from Vietnam. Um, they came over here in some very challenging situations and very challenging means. Both got highly educated and are hard workers. But in the midst of all their accomplishments, High met a big crisis, which he's going to tell you about. Kind of like the coronavirus crisis in your life or whatever thing you might be facing right now. And it really got to him. Like, wait a minute. Back it up. Where am I putting my time and my money and my energy? Am I really investing it well in relationships? I'd like you to watch with me. I'll be back and pray with you at the end. My name is Hai Lee, and this is my wife, Tracy. We've been coming to FAC since 2013. So during the, the springtime of 2019, Hai actually like uh, went through a very extraordinary event of witnessing a, a suicide. What I've found you know, through this experience in the last year is just that through some of the deepest sorrow and you lean on the Lord and you allow him and ask him to take away the burden and take on your burden, uh, it deepens your relationship with him. And as a result, you know, our relationship has been deepened and then it allow us to really want to be available for other people. Most of the community group that have 
young kids are fill up. So they they were we were just talking, and through that we were like, you know what? There's such a big need. So we actually took a leap of faith and started our community group at our house. And we just see it as a blessing. Um, as leaders, you have an open heart and willingness to share the journeys, and you um, create that trusting environment for everyone and confidentiality and moment that you have for the group that, that they're willing to grow and bond. We feel blessing as, you know, having the group ourselves. I think that's the our growth um, moment as well. It's not just for the community group, but for us and for family, how we have to lean on. We have to um, um, love each other and pray for each other. And they pray a lot for us and we felt such a peace. I think the vulnerability is really what helped us um, to show other people that none of us are perfect and we all have our imperfections and our scars and our history and sometimes that's what makes us able to connect and really dwell and grow together. Through our moments of difficulty, of challenging time, like 2019 was one of the toughest time emotionally um, for us. And also, like, you know, in terms of health, we dealt with a lot. But I think, like, you know, FAC supporting us, like, we thought we would fall, but yet we grow. So this is why we really enjoy being at FAC and uh, we call it our church. I remember when Hai first contacted me after he had found this person that had committed suicide in one of his rental properties. And it really shook him to the core. It really shook him up. It really caused him to think, what am I doing? What am I living for? I'm hoping for that to happen in our whole church. And I'm kind of excited, i got to admit, about the coronavirus. <laughs> Sounds weird, but it's like, could this be the revival we, we've been praying for? Could this be God's way of saying, okay, hit, hit the wall. You're kind of like, like the church when Jesus died and the disciples, okay, now what do we do? Well, we trust the Lord. And sure enough, the Lord raises him from the dead. Three days. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know the answer. Like I said at the beginning, the answers turn to the Lord. The answer is invest in the relationships God's put into your life. Family relationships, church relationships, office relationships. And direct everyone to the Lord. And I'd like to pray for you right now about that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, I pray for everyone here. As they take out their commitment card and rethink their commitment, may it be a commitment to you. May it really push them to prayer. I thank you so much for High and Tracy and their willingness to share and be vulnerable before us. Like, yeah, this really shook me up and I had to rethink my life. I know you're, you're, you're calling all of us to do that. And we have a tremendous opportunity here in these next few days to be alone and pray, to seek you with all our heart, to have other distractions taken away. So, Lord, help us prove that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us show that we really are relationally engaged 
Lord, for many of us, this is going to take a change of priorities. It's going to take a change of, of our thinking. And I'm asking you to help each and one, each, everybody listening to me right now, praying with me, help them make the changes they need to, Lord, so that we can really be Jesus-centered. We can really be missionally engaged. We can really be a church that's relationally healthy. Your church, the one that can't be stopped by anything, especially some little virus, because the gates of hell couldn't even stop us. We're going to see so many lives change, so many people getting deeper with the Lord and such a wider range of people we reach for Christ. But it must start with us. So, Lord, help us seek you with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Please speak to hearts. Move us to the kind of convictions the early church had, the kind of commitments that Jesus called us to. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to me. We'll see you next week. God bless.